Welcome to It's All Journalism. I'm Michael O'Connell, the host and one of the producers. I'm here to share some sad news today. Tiffany Shackleford, a longtime supporter of our podcast, has died. I first met Tiffany in 2013 at an online news association meetup in Washington, D.C. At that time, Tiffany was the executive director of the Association of Alternative News Media. I, I remember the first conversation I had with her. Uh, she was laying out some refreshments on a table, and she had this ring with this really large stone on it. And I made a remark about the the stone, and she gave me this funny smile. And we had this conversation about how she bought it in, uh, had just bought it in in San Francisco. And you know, I found out a little about her. I found out that she was associated with AAN, and that she had an interesting perspective uh, to tell about um, alternative news. So uh, she came into the studio one Saturday and joined Megan Clority and I, and we had this great conversation, and which became the uh, episode thirty-five of uh, its All Journalism podcast, uh, which which was uh, published in April two thousand thirteen. Tiffany was a huge supporter of our podcast. She helped set up our longtime partnership with AAN. And thanks to that, our, our podcast grew, and we met many great people in the alternative news space. Um, you know, I s always saw her at conferences. She she helped. Uh, you know, you know, she would reach out to us when a new conference was coming up, and and tell us what the theme was, and and you know who might be good guests for for our podcast. And you know, every time I saw Tiffany at a conference or in an event, it was always a blast. She was a great storyteller and had a huge heart. After she had left AAN and went to work at the National Governance Association, uh, she invited me to help produce that organization's first podcast. She also hooked me up with the Society of News Design, where she was most recently the executive director. And she arranged some interviews with some of its members, uh, had me cover a, a conference that was taking place in Washington, D.C., and we had some great episodes that came out of that. When I was out of work in 2019, I had lunch with Tiffany, and she was so supportive and positive. Uh, it, it was um, just a little thing that, that meant quite a lot to me when I was really kind of down. Um, it's something that I'll always be grateful to her for. And, you know, I'll miss, I'll miss Tiffany's enthusiasm, her sense of humor, and her gigantic personality. She was always, you know, so positive. Uh, anyone who knew her will confirm that she was just a one of a kind person. And so, uh, to, to honor her memory, I'm reposting the conversation Tiffany had with, uh, me and Megan back in 2013. For, for those of you who knew her, I hope this reminds you of what a wonderful person Tiffany was. For those who didn't know her, I hope this gives you a sense of the impact she could have on the people around her. On behalf of the It's All Journalism crew, I wanted to share our thoughts and our condolences with Tiffany's family. Welcome to It's All Journalism. My name is Megan Cloherty, joined today by Michael O'Connell. And today we're talking about alternatives, specifically alternative media. Tiffany Shackelford is the executive director of the Association for Alternative Media. Previously, she was the director of communications and marketing at Phase 2 Technology in Virginia and was the executive director of Capital Beat, the Association of Capital Reporters and Editors. Tiffany also created and runs the Online News Association's Washington, D.C. group, which has more than 600 members. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm <laughs> thrilled to be here. Um, tell us what exactly is alternative news media. What does that mean? 
Um, this is a question I get a lot, the sort of, if everything's alternative, what is alternative these days? And what, I, what I've been saying a lot is smart is the new alternative. Um, you know, we're, we're writing long form, but it's still popular. <laughs> Kids love it, believe it or not. And we're writing um, really smart pieces that are, tr- you know, speak truth to power. And also we cover local Really from, a, you know, a really, truly local spirit. We're not like one of the big news chains that covers local in that, you know, they have a section about what crime might be happening. We, we, are, we live and die by local. And we're the last ones covering arts and culture. So when I'm talking about the alternative news media, those are some of the things that encompass sort of my organization and, and the members within my group. Now, now I, I used to work at a, a, a weekly community newspaper. So do you stink, distinguish yourself differently from something like that? Well, you know, we we consider them lovely cousins, um, <laughs> but we are a little bit different in a few ways. Um, number one, that I, I sort of mentioned the truth to power concept. We really are focused on stories that, that no one else will tell. Often they're... Um, you know, kind of underground. They're perhaps about members of society that you don't see or don't want to see sometimes. Let's mm-hmm. just be honest. Um, we have, we, we kind of laugh now at the style of the internet because I, I think in some ways the alternative press, we invented it. The bombastic right. style, the in your face, mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the sometimes profane sort of push. And that differentiates us in particular from a community weekly. But what we share with community weeklies is that, is that, that real dedication to our local communities and being a voice for our local local communities. So I think that's that's the that's the what we share. Yeah, and that's you know I coming from a community news, newspaper background, you know I really see the value of that. And, and you know I know that the community newspapers had a lot you know, with. There's been, you know, we were talking about this before the whole "quote unquote" death of journalism and everything, and, and a lot of the challenges that the community newspapers um, were facing. But you know, we were just talking, and you were telling us that, um, you know, th- that alternative news weeklies are facing challenges, um, but not necessarily in the everybody's going away, everybody's dying. What what do you see is going on right now? You know, it's really interesting because what we're actually seeing is that small to mid-sized markets are are doing great. Um, Markets like Boise, Idaho, Colorado Springs, Syracuse, New York, but also the mid-level markets like Houston, um, Orange City, you know, California, Mm -hmm. the OC Weekly is doing great. Um, Papers that often are sort of a beacon of progressive thought in a community Mm -hmm. that perhaps doesn't have as many voices, they end up having um, an absolutely committed readership, not to mention advertisers. They have great relationships with small and medium local businesses, and they really look at them as their go-to for advertising. So we're not seeing, you know, it's a little bit different. And remember also, unlike, you know, the larger media companies that are, you know, that are just having crazy time, we've always been a little bit scrappier you know, a little bit more nimble to, mm-hmm. to move mm-hmm. because we don't have the crazy overhead. Usually the publisher in many of our papers is the owner or part owner or at least all in, you know, right. really committed to it. So we've also been able to shift a little bit quicker in some ways. There's also something that we've kind of slow, you know, quietly been taking over in the alt space, and that's the events. People forget South yeah. by Southwest. That's an Austin Chronicle gig. You know, that's where that started. 
We have now Music Northwest in Portland, which has 35,000 people, and a technology piece, North by Northeast, up in Toronto, which is coming up in June. Tons of cool, but also like tech jams in Burlington, Vermont, and here around the corner, Crafty Bastard from Washington City Paper. So we have some really awesome events that, again, that community piece that Mm -hmm. we were thinking about, you know, that is, again, kind of a way that, again, our small to medium folks are really, really owning that space. It seems like tech is a huge part of alternatives, right? I mean, like it, it was a focus early on, and now it's sort of grown. Well, it's 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 a little bit of both. In some cases, yes. In some cases, no. We missed we missed the original run for tech because our weekly papers were still doing really well. Right. So you didn't so want that, to leave those exactly. To go online. Okay. You know, and there's still and there's still you know what's funny about weeklies, and I think this we see this in the community paper space too. People still love their papers. Yes. Even people like me who I'm not going to read the New York Times or the Post ever in print again, probably, but I will pick up. It's I, I don't know if it's again that sort of you know physical local feeling. Mm-hmm. I, I I was I was really amazed. It was really eye opening when I was working at the Connection newspapers that just how loyal people are, were, how how they look forward to it. Um, the strata. I mean, our focus was you know local news, local local crime, local government. And local schools. I mean, people want to see their kids' pictures. They wanted to see stories about the local, the high school play and everything. And they want to and, cut them out. Yes, they want to put them in their refrigerator. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so, and, and this is, you know, this is kind of an interesting little side side bit to to the whole conversation about you know digital media versus print. And that you know, you know, you're representing newspapers. That you know, it, do you? Why aren't people, especially these tech people, why aren't they just? Oh well, I'll just do a website. You know, why are they still hanging on to print? What, what's what do they see as the value in that? Well, I think there is. Um, again, you know, it's sort of the you read it in coffee shops. It's you know the ultimate, and it's also sort of still a little bit ageless. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our readers are averaging around forty, which is. Younger than the dailies, but probably still older than it used to be in the alt right. space. But it's still and and look the the alt weekly the tabloid style, which also com, you know most community papers use sure. for the most part. It's still the ultimate in mobile tablet, right? Because you stick it under your arm or in your, in your bag. You read it on the metro. You read it on the metro more so than you do you know your larger dailies because they're harder to um, just manage. So there there still is some of that. I'm also going to give a, an odd metaphor. So I. Um, I majored in poetry in college because I'm really into money. And, um, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and then you moved, moved into journalism. Right. Which... For me, it was a step up. See, that's the funny thing. People don't realize they laugh about money and journalism. I'm like, hey, I'm not, I'm not a poor bartender. We're trying to write a poem today. But there was something very um, – when I was composing poems, there was something um, very, very powerful for the pen-to-the-paper connection when I was writing. And I believe that, that that there is still, despite the fact that I am a right. I am a huge digital fan. I'm I got brought into this organization because of my digital jobs, but I believe fully that there's still that connection piece of physical that that in all this talk about digital, we we have to we have to consider. Uh-huh. Um, it's just like you know, your still your best conversations usually happen with people face to face. Right, mm-hmm. it's that kind of thing. I mean, we're not you know we're sitting here in a room together. And Skype would have worked, but this works a hell of a lot better. Oh, no, right? no, definitely. It's more the experience. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that, you know, and I think that um, that's important. Now, with that said, we are going, at to, and kind of to come back to your question, we actually in some ways have skipped over some of the mess that the, that the mainstream media made of themselves yes. in the digital space, mm-hmm. which has been 
so awesome. And we're going <laughs> mobile first, digital first, you know, thinking about smart partnerships with startups. So we are there now, but mm-hmm. maybe came, uh, as my father said, you know, went around our ass to get to our elbow. <laughs> and that's okay. Right. And also, you know what? If I'm the last damn prince standing, <laughs> I'll take it. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the other thing, too, about that. So. And, and this is great because this sort of melds into the to the podcast we just posted about uh, the uh, – I interviewed the people from uh, Ma- Magic Bullet, which is a, a comics uh, newspaper. And, and they were very much – you know, they they could have put the, all their stuff online, but they chose to to do it in paper because for lots of different reasons. One, they, that you know, they were able to get advertisers who wanted to put it in a newspaper, and, and two, that they uh, they wanted people in shops, you know, comic shops and tattoo parlors and, and what in restaurants where they could leave copies of this to find this material that they wouldn't necessarily find or necessarily would seek out online and just sort of be surprised by this this free newspaper, and that was a way for them to get a, an audience and get their work out there. For an alternative, is it easier to know who your audience is than for like a major daily or, you know, I mean, because you know you're community focused or is it harder because you're so niche Mm -hmm. that you really have to, you know, get down into the weeds? I think for um, I'd say for Gen X and above, we kind of we know who they are. Right. For our audience. And, you know, I am a Gen Xer. and, And so I grew up reading the, the local alts. I was kind of an artsy kid and like, I found my people, thank God, you know, it was sort of that moment, um, you know, and, uh, and, and so I think, I think we clearly know who the Gen X, you know, the Gen X reader, it's, it's someone who's interested in local, but also arts and culture, wants to be hip, even though they're probably raising kids and most definitely are not anymore, but they remember what it was like. Right. Um, the, what we are not as familiar with or not as clear on is the younger demographics, the Gen Y and millennials, because, it, you know, some of them you'll talk to and they, they have no effing idea what what the alt is and, or the, in their neighborhood. But mm-hmm. they do because they go to the events right. and there's some subconscious brand awareness, mm-hmm. but not like when when we were coming up and we're just like, I must have the, the you know, the Washington City paper every week. Right. Where I must go and get the Village Voice when it comes out on Wednesday because that's the only place I'm going to find, you know, the the apartment slash band slash tranny prostitute I look I'm looking for. That was I, a joke. That, that was, was a joke. <laughs> but okay, well let's let's let me follow up on that. Uh, the, I remember when uh, again you know we, we talk about we talk about journalism dying. I remember when Tower Records before Tower Records <sighs> went out of business they had, they had a wonderful magazine. Section. Yeah, I know we're all a little, we're all a little we're verklempt all here. <laughs> when you could actually, when you could actually go to a store no. and look around, and yeah, no. and that was actually like a date. Like when I met my husband, oh my we God. used to go to Tower Records and like, I mean, well, and the reason there's no Tower Records is because all those people who went there to look at the magazines and they didn't buy anything. Uh, but anyway, that's just my two cents. But they had a whole rack of alternative magazines, alternative newspapers, newsletters, um, zines. Uh, that people put up. I, there's Atomic Books up in, in Baltimore uh, for for people in the D.C. area that that still does that sort of thing. There, there are plenty of places like their record shops, head shops, where you uh, you know, that that people are publishing. You know, getting their voice out there. They don't necessarily have a huge uh, following, um, but it, it's it's a different sort of strata. And a lot of those people have shifted their voice to to online. So, you know, again, we go back to the, the, the this discussion about digital versus versus print and sort of the powers of it. Um, what challenges do you see ahead for um, for somebody wanting to launch something like this? You know, what, what decisions should they be making? Well, I think, you know, I think you're kind of hitting on that first and that sort of that loyalty 
<clears throat> piece. And there's certain amount of um, you have that serendipitous moment when you discover, right? Uh, you know, a magazine or a, a newspaper or a, just a piece of content that speaks to you. Right. You have this moment where I remember when I saw McSweeney's online, which is a, an irreverent <laughs> website that yeah. I love. It's like, I could have written this. This makes me happy and laugh. Right. la. And it was definitely that moment. But it was I randomly found it, you know, right. on some mm-hmm. posting. And I think that's actually the biggest challenge is how do you get to the right places? Because we've become so disparate online that there aren't even any of, you know, there's not the one go-to. There's not the tower records you can depend on in the digital space. Right. There's 8,900 tower record type spaces. Mm -hmm. And some of it's weird and some of it's very. The other thing I've noticed on the digital space around community that we, I think, need to figure out and solve is there's actually weirdly clickish and you're not part of this behavior yeah. that you would never do in real life because you'd be like such a, pun- a dick. It's like a punk punk attitude. It's a total punk attitude and I respect it on some levels, but it's not appropriate for online. And but and people do it because they can. Right. Right? Because right? this is my voice. I'm uh, you know uh, f you, I don't yeah, care about anything else. Exactly. And that to me actually is an interesting challenge um that we haven't really overcome. Now I'm going to beat a drum that's a little this is where I go. This is where I go from from like lovely community paper la 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 moment to um, the I have deep deep nerd tendencies so mm-hmm. bear with me as I go through okay. this. Um, so the semantic web, which is contextual linking, which is really what Tim Berners Lee thought the internet should be. Right. Screw Google. Like it was never about that. It never should have been about yeah. that. It should have been about you know linking con- contextual content that was naturally language, you know, natural language processing to other content of the same. Um, And to me, the digital opportunity is still not even close to being, you know, we talk a lot, you know, Mm -hmm. I I go to all the journalism organizations and I hear the white guys in suits on the panels tell me about, you know, the 17 things that they're doing. And that's awesome. I go to hear the 24 by 24s. That's the media buyers. You know, Mm -hmm. they're 24 years old and they have 24 million to spend. (laughs) I go hear all these people, but I'm missing on a lot of levels. And not this is just one piece of it. And this is my challenge. I am answering the question. I'm just that's okay. You know. um, I'm just filling up space here. Go on. <laughs> so the, the, my issue is is there there the you know there's these disparate groups in the media space. There's nothing connecting. There's no connectors. Just like in the local media space, you know, there's a ton of um, there's Yelp and Seamless and all these. Um, Technology pieces that are supposed to be going to the local person, but they don't have any ins to the actual community. They need the publishers. So we're partnering with a lot of them, and that's an aside. But my whole whole point of coming back to this contextual linking thing, we're not making these connections online in a smart way. Mm -hmm. And that is a real challenge. And I think maybe it's not semantic technology that does it. Maybe it's something else. But we're missing – we're missing this piece. And until we get that together, I think it's still going to continue to be sort of pods. And you're going to see some successes, but you're never going to – I don't think that really until we change some fundamental things hmm. about the digital media space, we're ever going to see true success. Hmm. Just because people don't know where to find things? Exactly. The trails are odd. You know, when you're trying to find content or, for instance, I try to find really smart speakers for my conventions. That bring in fresh ideas, people I haven't heard from, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
just to fu- I, I timed myself. I, I was I think about this fairly often, and you know this kind of process. I Google, I Bing, you know, I used several different other, you know, mm-hmm. I use some semantic, you know, and I follow strings from place to place to find smart people to talk to. Mm-hmm. That process is it takes me hours sometimes to get to what really should never have taken that long, and we have the technology for it. I just think again. You know, a big mistake. The reason I actually went to, in my bio, you mentioned I went to phase two technology. And the reason I did that is because I needed desperately to see how the sausage was made on the technology side. And I feel still very strongly that, yeah, we can have, we can invite Google to ONA to give us free drinks. But what are we doing? Are we talking to the super smart startups? Are we talking to the VCs and seeing what they're funding? Are we seeing what's out there in the open source technology and really seeing how that could work? No, we don't have the translators between technology and media. And this is true of this is my this is my across the media moment, you know, where I right. say we're not we're not connecting the dots. And until we do that, I frankly am a little um, worried about the future of, of, of digital to yeah. get back to your original. Oh, question. no, no, no. I, I, I agree with you on a lot, of, a lot of those points. I think. um Google is 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 probably a, a a wonderful thing for all of us, but I also think it's a very dangerous thing for all of us. Um, and I don't mean that in a in a super scary way, but I think you know they 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 bring us a lot of stuff. I mean, just for example, Google Maps. You know, they they make this they this wonderful application so that people can put maps they, uh, on their websites. They encourage newspapers to to work that feature in there so that their advertising will you know add. Uh, their, their advertisers will show up on the map. People are able to follow, locate and follow things in the story. So they're bringing you stuff. We're journalists. We should always be questioned when people bring you stuff. Yeah. That even though it is wonderful, even though it saves us so much time and stuff, we're really at the at the end of the end of the day, we're at the control of whatever the decisions they make on how their search engine works. And well, it that makes it puts, comfortable, right? It makes the internet comfortable. comfortable. You don't have to think about how you know what you're not finding if. It's delivered well, right to you, and, which is your point. And, and, and I agree exactly. with you. And I agree with you very much that that the, I don't know necessarily, especially as we find that there are so many people out there talking about SEO and how to game the system, how to game search. Um, that you know, if I want to find out about a particular comic book or a particular movie or something, and I may search for something, but you know. I may have to dig down into d- websites and follow links to really get something that I find that interesting that isn't just a broad sweep. And so, I mean, search, I, I don't think as wonderful as search is, because search is very wonderful at this point, I, I don't think it's always giving us what we really need and want and, and, and could move the conversation further. And God help you if you try and, you know, follow those links again to try and find the same. Right. <laughs> the same. Outcome. Right, right, exactly. I mean, it, it, that's that's the interesting part too. Is you have to, I mean, le- literally leave breadcrumbs for yourself, right? So you can get back or right. bookmark or whatever. Well, and I think you know, and and this kind of leads to you know, what is our role of you know in the alternative press? Right. It's to ask questions that no one else does and to push where no one else will. Right. And so I see that not just as you know stories about politicians and muckraking and investigative, which is very important, and we do a great job of it. But also, I see my role running this association as, uh, you know, I've got to mirror that on some ways, which is why I really, you know, I really am coming out and saying, screw you, Google. Like, what are you doing for me? I do want to push a little bit. And I know along the way I'm going to probably make some enemies, but it's the alt-press way, right? I mean, that's kind of what I do. (laughs) So, I mean, I think, again, I think – 
you know, journalists are are missing a really interesting opportunity to push not just on the stories and on the, you know, on on the information that's handed to them, Mm -hmm. but even on the on the way it's handed to them. We should I mean, doesn't isn't that what we are naturally? Like, why do we get into this business? Because we believe in small D democracy because we're naturally curious, among other reasons. Um, We got tricked. I don't know. There was drinking. But, you know, (laughs) if the government if the government hands you a press release and here here's all the information you need, you're not a journalist. If you just take that and just run with that, you you need to verify. You need to find other sources. You do stuff. So here's here's search. You know, just take this and go with it. Well, you know, what does this mean? What is this? What what are you coming from? What are you getting out of this? I mean, we should always question everything. I mean, exactly. You know, I mean, it's like it's like what is the oldest cliche in Georgetown? In Georgetown or in Georgetown. journalism, whichever. <laughs> um, you know, what is the oldest cliche? If your mother says you love, she loves you. Check it out, right? right. right. Why aren't we doing that with our tools too? That's, you know, and I feel like that's really important for because I think a lot of people in journalism feel that they're playing catch up at this point. And they necessarily maybe they shouldn't. I think we've been been dealing with this for a few years and maybe we shouldn't be feeling that way. You know, I think that's always, you know, that. Yes, I I hear that all the time. And and are we playing catch up or are did we just make some terrible mistakes and we should fail and get the hell out and rethink it? That's what I think. Mm-hmm. So the, the catch-up thing, I think, actually has, has gotten so deep into our psyche that it's actually right. holding us back because then you make bad mistakes, right? If you think you need to catch up, what do you do? You drive too fast and you hit someone or, you know, it, right. think about that. Mm-hmm. You need – I really think we need to have this kind of a come-to-Jesus moment or come-to-Goddess or Allah or however you roll. Like, I'm cool with that. Um, you know, you're, so, you're so alt-media. I, am, I love I know. This. Come to Buddha moment. Um <laughs> Uh, you know, and, and really have this moment of what is working and what's not. So after um, after I was I ran a, a an online news news funded thing called Stateline that was actually funded by Pew Charitable Trust. It was like I feel like I was I was before ProPublica, so I was doing something weird then, and now it's mm-hmm. like the model, and I think it's hilarious. But um, after that, one of the things that I um, that I I kind of came out of their thinking was, you know, maybe <laughs> this is going to be controversial. I'm just going to say it. So sure. I went and got an MBA because I was convinced that my journalism jobs weren't going to cut it in this industry anymore. Now, was the MBA the greatest thing ever? No, I spent too much money and I'm not really sure what I got out of it. But I really believe that we need to just, you know, again, what do we know from, from what, do, what do good tech companies do? They fail fast. You know, what What do we learn in MBA school to get a business plan together and figure out how to what's working and what's not? What have we not done in the media business? Any of that. So maybe it's not about catch up anymore. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's about scrapping the whole goddamn thing and starting over and starting over. I mean, not, you know, obviously we have businesses to run and we have things to do. I understand that. And I'm not saying let's all call McKinsey and, you know, rethink for a week and go on a mountain. Mm -hmm. But I think you can be experimenting and moving the dial forward if you aren't caught up in what used to be or reinventing a model or you know maybe you're just inventing or maybe you're just thinking i think that the um and this is this this uh, podcast has been a real, real revelation for me that talking to a lot of very smart people and getting lots of different perspectives and then trying to in my own head try to figure out the you know is media dying is it okay it's not dying what's next you know where are we going? What should be going? What should we be doing? And the the thing that I'm sort of moving towards is that 
the, a lot of the conversations we've had in, in the last five years have been, you know, how are we going to save legacy journalism? You know, how how are we going to translate that into a new model? And, and I really think, you know, I don't know if there if if all of the legacy journalism if they can't figure it out if they haven't figured it out you know should they survive or should they um, well, and at, should we at be what putting doing, a, right? at, at what they're doing should we put be putting that effort into that or should we be instead moving towards a new model of what the the newsroom is and, and you know figuring out okay this is what the this is what our delivery system is either it's a combination of print and, and online or it's it's all online or whatever. And, and actually put our effort into that and building a new type of newsroom. And I think that's that's the type of model that's probably going to succeed as we move forward. I think this idea of wasting money trying to, to prop up something that was built for something different is just, is just a waste of time mm-hmm. um, in, in a lot of cases. Well, and a lot of things that, that legacy journalism is doing to try and reinvent itself is by investing in multimedia options. And I think it might be a good transition. And I would love to know, what are Alt Weeklies doing as far as multimedia? Do Do reporters sort of have... Because they have a little more um, space and less construction, you know, they can go out and do a story the way they want to do it? Or is it that it's so small, you really have to kind of get it done, <laughs> turn it out? It's a combination, and we're, you, you'll see a little bit of all all possibilities across the, uh, you know, in my association, we have about 130 papers. and Depending and, on the market. Yeah, and it totally depends on the market, and sometimes it depends on the publisher. Um, I use Boise Weekly a lot as an interesting example. Um, so the daily... In the Boise market, I mean, just just withering away. You know, they are. You know, they're right. running a lot of AP copy. They're running a lot. You know, almost now. So the publisher Sally Freeman sees this and she says, "All right, we're going to transform ourselves from just an alt weekly to a multimedia company. We're going to do breaking local news. Like we're right. not going to mess with any like, but we're going to do breaking local news. I want everybody out with an iPhone. If you see something interesting, you're going to you know you're right. going to do video on that. You're going to do pictures on that. She hired um, a guy who. I think his title is New Media Czar or something silly, but you know something hilarious. Um, it comes with a neat hat. I bet. It does. There is there is a whole headdress involved. <laughs> it's fantastic, um, and so you know, and really kind of transformed them into, you know, what what the community needed, what they responded to, but also really with a multimedia focus. And she absolutely considers herself an alternative multimedia company. And if you're not tweeting, if you're not coming in with that, those sorts of skills, you better get pick them up fast. And that's how she's moving forward. She's also done some really interesting things. She partnered with a local technology company there called Urban Chalk um, to rethink their voting. You know, all the alts have the best of uh-huh. in, the, in the cities that they're in. And to totally rethink the, the voting process. And she has a constant best of. So it's not just a one mm-hmm. like huge thing. It's like. There's best of. I mean, at this one, it's like there's best of dog groomers and there's like all kinds of best of. But people love it. Right. People love it because right. everybody's got a thing that they, you know, no, man, my guy is like, if I could, I would vote my daycare provider is the best of. Like, I would say yes. I, I so wish I had the, 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 the patent on best of. Well, everybody love loves that. Everybody well, loves lists, too. We actually yeah. love lists. Well, yeah. And, and just so you know, actually, most of the alts have the trademark, so don't try it. Oh, we'll damn. see you. Yeah. Um, damn. <laughs> damn. Well, because it, is, because it is a serious part of our brand, and we're, oh, yeah. you know, we're thinking oh, no. a lot about even how to push that. Um, but we're also doing some pretty interesting things in the, in the market as far as advertising and mobile. And some of them are so basic, but so smart. My... Um, the publisher and part owner of the Charleston City Paper, and they are killing it. They are rocking it. Um, they do great stuff around the Spoleto Festival. They do great stuff. But they do just just thinking about what's going to work here. Like, for instance, 
if you get a mobile, if you get their mobile app mm. and you access their paper from 11, a, 11 p.m., pardon me, till 2 a.m. on a weekend night, you get an ad for a strip club. Because really, mm-hmm. probably, it might be, you know, there's a good chance that that might be something like you might want. But the rest of the time, and for restaurants. So they're just using an old school day parting kind of concept here. Mm-hmm. But it's working great. And it's, you know, again, they're really thinking about what their users want when. You know, I was, was going to say, like I mean, can dailies or can like the, the major legacies pick up something from Alts? I mean, can they pick up? Screw them. Can they no. learn from you I guys? I want them to learn anything from us. No, I'm kidding. I, they could if they were smart enough to, to listen. But I mean, no, that's mean. I won't say that. <laughs> um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, since I took this job and I'm fairly well connected in the media space in D.C. And so I talk to those, you know, and they're a lot of my friends, you know, like I, I, I go to lunch in the post cafeteria sometimes. It's delicious. And um and you know, and well, that's and your I, that's your indicator right there. A newspaper having a cafeteria. Well, exactly. Like yeah, I don't that, have that. that. Yeah, should that be where the money is being <laughs> right. spent? Just saying. Anyway, go on. <laughs> but you know, and and I think that they're sort of fascinated in the same way you're fascinated by like the cool rocker that wears le- leather pants. Right. You know, I think we actually who we get better response from and the people that want to partner with us and really are like, yeah, you guys get it. Are the public media, which is interesting. But if you think about it, we have a lot of the same. Um, challenges, challenges, but and also audience. similarities in audience. Yeah, right. exactly. Like you, you know, you 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 read alts when you're young and you grow up and you listen to NPR. It's like you know, you add a tote bag, lose the lose the ratty jeans. Like you know, listen, you listen, to listen to bluegrass, right? You yeah. listen to blue, yeah. You, you move from punk rock to bluegrass. It's a weird phenomenon, but it happens. It happened to me once, and I, I don't. I'm not really comfortable talking about it. But let me just also kind of throw in another thing. The alts are actually taking advantage of, I think, the the sort of community and local in, a, in some smart ways, too. You know, we've got a company that is um, uh, one Arkansas Times. They will do all your social media. So they're actually, you know, for you. Like, they'll be your Twitter, your Twitter handle, your Facebook, et cetera. Hmm. So um, the East Bay Express is uh, doing this thing where they work with the local Chamber of Commerce and do um, do-it-yourself ads for local companies as long as they're part of the Chamber. So it's a directory plus right. a local ad play. So we're doing some pretty innovative um, monetization things, too. And the thing that actually we're working on as an association that I'm just going to, I got to say, because I'm pretty excited about it. We're working with a Norwegian company called C-Sense to build a recommendation engine across alts. And we also have partners like the Media Consortium and Investigative News Network and some public media partners that are also. So we'll have this, like, amazing progressive recommendation engine. Think about the deep verticals you can get. Out of that, recommending what though? Different content. So if you read a, con- a, a piece of content on reproductive justice in the Willamette Week in Portland, then you get a you. There's a it's a widget or a different page that says you might be interested in you know these other five pieces of content. Mm-hmm. We're going to throw an interstitial ad up in between it, so everybody gets a cut. And interstitials you sell as sponsorships as a high you know as sort of a high end mm-hmm. ad. I mean, so we're we're actually thinking about kind of pushing monetization models in a lot of different ways but again we're not we're not trying to reinvent we're trying to kind of go around and rethink it's, it's sort of you're sort of um, almost uh, creating sort of a wire service for for alts that uh, and then building a um, uh, an advertising system around that yeah and it may fail horribly but it's not it's kind of a, a new play on things that it hasn't been done before and if you look at all of the um, 
So if you look at all the, you know, I read, of course, I obsess about about what PR, the P Research Center and Burrell and, you know, Forrester all <laughs> say, like, what are people doing? Ah, you know, and we know that they're going deep, that they want to read verticals and they actually do. If there's a leaning, they want to read more in that leaning. They don't want to go to Fox News if they're an, right. you know, so how can we take advantage of that? We also know the local to national play is huge and understanding things on both those sides is pretty interesting to people. Hmm particularly our readers, our readers, unlike the dailies, which is actually kind of cool. If you think about it for advertising or, or, or targeting sakes, they have they they are by large percentages educated voters or or activists, mm-hmm. you know, and and, you know, very um, conscientious, I guess, about now they usually have pet issues, obviously, but, you know, very, very conscientious about those. So how can we take advantage of this kind of reader in a way that the daily doesn't have that kind of reader, nor will they, because it's a general swath. And that's look, that's that's a different kind of right. kind of thing. different audience. Different but way. yeah, but just to originally I, I do eventually get back to your questions. But, you know, just to get back to your question, that's sort of a unique way that we're trying to take advantage of the digital space and our, our audience in a way that the dailies really can't or other other media types really can't. And, and speak a little bit to the to the something we we're talking about before the long form is that I mean, the, the instinct has been is that, you know, especially as we, we involve digital in, in, in the way we're distributing our content is, you know, short. You know, people want little bites. They they want this, but people people are, are still want to read longer form. They want to read longer form online. Even yeah. um, you you know what what are your thoughts about that? Well, I think that's you know that's a really interesting one, and that one actually scared me a lot because I thought, how are we ever going to get Gen Y and millennial readers? Because they've got you know I I was going with the uh, the sort of stayed cliche of they tweet they have no attention span. Right. Mm. Totally wrong. It turns out actually. Um, and hell, you know, add a recession and they have more time on their hands than anybody. So, right. you know, and the no, Internet's cheap, relatively. Right. But what we actually know now from, you know, from from the latest research is, is on the contrary, millennials and Gen Y, they might not want to go wide, but they do want to go deep and they love long form. I mean, look at the success of Atavist and long reads and longform.org. Mm-hmm. All these this bubble up of all these online you know, sites that are dedicated to the the love of long form. Well, I wonder if it's because all they've gotten is short form. I mean, everything, you know, Twitter and I mean, not necessarily Facebook, but like everything's shared so quickly and everything's so short that they you present them with something long and interesting. They're like, what's this? Well, but, you know, I think people are I think it's uh, the way we're di- uh, digesting the, the, the Internet is, is a little bit different than it was just a few years ago. And I think you can point to things like even like Netflix, that the the the. The availability of having digital, uh, you know, downloads of of TV shows and where you end up watching a whole season in a weekend, uh, that you're dedicating more time to an, in an online environment, so you're feeling more comfortable. That, well, if I'm if I'm if I'm going to invest a couple hours in this TV show, why don't I, you know, spend a little more time reading this? Right. So I don't think the initial reaction of oh they're only going to be on for a few minutes, a video can only be two minutes long. I think that, that's all gone by the wayside. Well, and I think you know for us. Our long form also is a little bit different. You know, the National Journal is a wonderful publication, but that long form, I mean, that's a lot of broccoli up in your face. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a lot of policy. It's all how you present it. I know. And and I, listen, I am, I am this nerd. I am the Washington nerd that still reads the National Journal religiously. Like, I, I, I love it. Oh, you're that one. I'm the one person. Yes. It's, it's great. And they call me. I get cards from, no, that doesn't happen. But, um, 
So, you know, but but you present some long form that's really, you know, kind of meaty, a little bit, a, a pushing it a little bit, you mm-hmm. know, is about something you know nothing about or so, a little something about or can relate to in a, in a really, you know, that's the other thing is that the alts do not just long form, but it's really a personal narrative style, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and that style really speaks actually to not just, you know, not just people that have always read it, but the younger generation actually really loves that. And again... I go back to Matt. We had uh, Matt Thompson from NPR came and spoke to us, and he said, "Y'all invented the internet." Cool. <laughs> and uh, and it's true. I mean, like, so that sort of voice, and you put it into long form narrative. You've got some, you know, you've got. It's like a delicious salad with bacon in it, right? I mean, it's right. a little vegetable, but like, you know, there's a treat in there for you. And, <laughs> and, and what does that play into? That plays into interactivity. That that plays into to Facebook and Twitter and the ability to have your audience you know, dialogue with you. Exactly, so exactly. That, and that's actually something we're trying to build tools. We actually have built kind of we're playing on this wire service idea, but we actually built um, with a company called Content.com. We built actually a an exchange platform mm-hmm. that our folks can exchange, but they can also use it to really engage with their community, almost like a CNN I report, but for alts, you know, like get photos from them, but also kind of get these conversations going because we think that that's pretty important. And obviously, again, with an alt, you know, you definitely get, you definitely get some, you know, you get a new kind of crazy, but you also get it's prickly pears, <laughs> <I know. laughs> but you also get some people that really are, Dedicated in a, right. in a way that you're not going to get in other in other media forms. Right. So we're pretty excited. We, I mean, that's always a lovely thing. So you know, especially she's I great. Mean, no, yeah, she's I great. Know. She just keeps talking. <laughs> well, that I mean, it's funny because I don't know. I mean, full disclosure, I don't know a ton about alts. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially growing up in D.C. and then I went to Missouri, which is like you know where Legacy was born. I, I grew up in Indiana, and once you could find, once you found stuff. It was it was like a revelation that you would find these zines, these things that yeah. some guy would do on mimeograph and drop off at the record store, a hundred copies. You know, this, this is the craziest thing is just to draw. To, it, it's it it really is message in the bottle journal, journalism right. or, or narrative that you just put it out there and hope that somebody connects with it, and they right. ha- they'll have their their mailing address on it. You write them, and suddenly you know you and get like, a yeah, and you're friends for life. But yeah. I mean, that's not that's not different from a blog now. I mean, the yeah, no. of blogging now. But, yeah, I mean, you know, the thing is, is that the alt press was really, you know, it was born in a concept of radicalism. You know, mm-hmm. it was really, you know, came out of the 60s radicalism. And it's different again, which is, which is interesting because the whole attitude, we're a little, you know, we're, we've got a different attitude than the, the quote unquote boys on the bus. And I say screw, uh, I'm probably going to, all my mentors of, of my early journalism days are going to listen to this and be like, Tiffany. But <laughs> screw the boys on the bus, right? Getting back to this concept of the, of the how did we get here with, mm-hmm. the, with the, you know, mainstream media solving these problems. Well, part of it is a real lack of vision on their part, right? Like, why yes. didn't they stop staying at the Ritz on the, you know, while they were on the, on the road with Kennedy? And there was say, a lot of fat on that bone. Yeah, say, what, what is going on here? Why don't I... You know, why Why do we have this, this quote, Chinese wall in between editorial and business? Why? Why? Is oh that really God. the best so idea? I'm so glad you said that. You know, I'm so glad you said that. You know. Uh, no, no. I mean, it, it surprised a lot of people. It was it was church and state. Yeah. It was like the, the two never talked to each other. But well, the they fact still is, don't. I mean, still and, don't. And, and guess what? And guess what? The reason why we're in the situation that we are is because, the you know, it's, it's the Wizard of Oz. The curtain has been pulled back. The person who has been running the... Everything has been the business side. And that's been, I think, probably the, the bitterest pill for people to swallow is to suddenly realize, oh, for, you know, for God's sakes, newspapers are businesses. That 
all these decisions that the that my budget is being cut, my staff is being cut, have nothing to do with journalism. They have everything to do with business. Mm-hmm. And and if the business is not properly fed, it will eat on you. So you know, this is what you said before. You know, the, the, this whole idea. Journalists should always have been aware that they should always have been aware that they were a part of a business. And and the 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 way we sort of in our mind created this this barrier that that separated us just for our own ethical whatever to making us feel like we're we're better or whatever i mean we just had to really understand that we had to we had to put you know we had to put newspapers on people's um doorsteps and the reason and the way that was paid for was by advertising the, and you know the advertising went by the wayside then maybe you would lose a job but all those general managers knew i mean it's not like yeah maybe their you know cub reporters didn't know but all their general managers knew that's where the money was coming from and they had to i mean and and the model never changed well yeah I mean, I think now, I mean, people did know we're, we're being we're being we're <laughs> we're, we're, we're dealing now with the decision that was made over 100 years ago that that journal, the journalism would be linked to advertising mm-hmm. and that when the ad sales went down again, this has nothing to do with the Internet. When the ad sales went down, you know, newsrooms started shrinking, papers started closing. It had less to do with the Internet and more to do with the economy, with with all the other stuff that was going on, with the price of paper, the the the, the price of distri- distribution. I mean, all these things are, are really what what spell spelled the trouble that we're in now. Not anything to do with the, the rise of the Internet. Internet as a savior, yeah, we'll still see. Right, exactly. We're tangenting. This is a large tangent. This it was is a, a large. <laughs> it was a large tangent, but I think I don't know. I mean, I think. I, that story, it, it's irrelevant for me because I say that's why, you know, people ask me why I took this job because I was more of a digital person. And, you know, why was I interested in coming in here and being a, I hate this word, but, you know, this sort of change. Change. Agent. change. <laughs> I wish I came with like a hat and like a patch or something crazy to Jacket. really make it, you know, right. an agent. But, um, but, you know, it's because I feel that because the alt press has this sort of, you know, that this revolutionary kind of idea and this contrarian start that isn't that hundred years, you know, yes, there's, you know, obviously some of that in it, but I feel like we've got the best opportunity as anybody out there Mm -hmm. to push it forward and to redefine what, what, what we are and, and to actually survive as anyone. So, you know, yes, it's a tangent, but it's relevant for me Mm -hmm. when I think about, how I'm going to push this organization forward and its members to really get to where they need to go. Mm. Um, and at, at the end of the day, I mean, I, tr- you know, I trash a little bit of it, but I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't believe in journalism, you mm-hmm. know, and if I didn't believe in telling stories and keeping power, holding power accountable. Yeah, I mean, no. you know, we're sitting here in, in this federal news radio studio, and I think what we're all doing is still the most important job at the end of the day. So, I mean, like yeah. trash, but then let me love. Oh no, no, bit. we we all love journalism. You know, at, but at the end of the day, but I, I, I the, to the to to say that the model for journalism is is one thing is ridiculous. It is. It, it is. It, it can be lots of different things, and, and I think people need to to understand that as soon as possible. I need to ask you this about your organization. Sure. If you were such a bunch of divergent individuals, alternative attitudes, how do you band together? It's often like herding cats. Let me be very honest. And there's, you know, we have uh, larger chains. You know, we have the Voice Media Group, which has 11 papers. We have Southcom, which has eight papers. We have um, a lot of independents. We also have small, like three papers. And then we have Mm. some members who own, you know, the Alt and the Hispanic paper in town and the Auto Trader. So we have a lot. Yeah, we we do have a lot of different kind of ideas. And it's not really, it's kind of like spokes on a wheel sometimes. But 
at the end of the day, the, they're all there together again because of these, you know, these sort of fundamentals that they want to, you know, they want to speak truth to power. They want to do this and they believe in it because mm-hmm. they could go make real money elsewhere. Let's just, you know, this is not a cash cow, as we all know. <laughs> um, and so it is, you know, and that actually has been a real um, one of my major challenges is trying to make sure that we're doing enough to get the paper, the the tiny paper that, you know, just wants help uh, thinking about getting a CMS. But we're also helping, you know, the papers that are ready to really, really push forward and go, you know, and go to the huge next level and think about all multimedia, mobile first, everything, you know, really everything digitally oriented. And so we're trying to get what I've been doing is I've been partnering with startups um, or companies that are overseas that want to get into the U.S. market. So I get cool stuff for free. Let me mm-hmm. be very blatant about what I'm doing um, with that. And I'm trying to get a lot of different kinds of um Solutions like the I mentioned the CSENS partnership, the content.com. We have a couple of other things that we're doing. One with OnSwipe, which is just a free tablet solution that we like. Um, and we're trying to get enough solutions in there that we can serve all kinds of different members wherever they are. Whatever level they're at. Whatever the level they're at. Then the other thing I'll do, and this is a slight tangent, I'm sorry about this, but it has to happen. Um, one of the things that I identified about a year ago that was frustrating to me is that um, – so when we talk about like foundations and, and philanthropic money and, and all this money is going into the development of new editorial ideas. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, you know, I think it's great that Knight and Patterson and all these, all these foundations give money to all these new editorial ideas. But this is relevant for our overall conversation. We've got to get paid, yo. Right. And, and, and more editorial this whole tools is helpful. But at the end of the day, where has, it, has it moved the business model forward? No, probably not. Maybe, but probably not. And I looked around, like, where is that money? Where are those labs? Where's the Knight Innovation Lab for business? Where's the Duke, you know, the, the right. Duke or state? You know, like, right. there's all these places. But nobody is really looking at the R&D for business. Right. New York Times has its own lab, Washington Post. You know, so the big guys do. And, of course, they would because they have the money. In the, but nobody's doing it for for us, you know, for mm-hmm. for the smaller radio stations, for the community papers, for the alt weeklies, so that's the other thing that I'm actually um, focusing on. And I just got a fellow from from Georgetown University to help me research this, and I'm putting together kind of a a lab, for lack of a better way. Mm-hmm. It's you know to help consult and help identify free tools that are already out there and holes in the market, things that need to be developed. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's another way that I'm trying to get, you know, to serve all of these different members. But it's not easy. Right. And it is, you know, it's it's hard to be an association that speaks to all the members. But we're da- doing our damnedest to, to, to try. Um, and we are, you know, and, and part of that is sometimes poking them a little in places they're not comfortable. Right. Um, which is sort of ironic considering that's what they do. Right. And, that's, and then I come behind them and I'm like, oh, you know. But um, – but I think it's important, and they're receptive to that. Um, so we are trying to to push forward all of our members, and then some some won't, and that's cool. You yeah. know, so if you're comfortable doing your, doing your thing and you're making money, and you know, you're you you are where you need to be. I'm not going to mess. You know, oh, maybe share with us what's working. Well, for right, you. we do, and and actually, that's something interesting. Despite all the sort of you know sometimes competition inside, although we we don't have many, two, we have a few two paper towns, but not many. Um, 
you know, we actually are one of the better uh, groups at, at truly sharing ideas. You know, I'm a part of ONA, obviously, as you mentioned. And, yeah. and, and there's, there's sort of big presentations of success. But we don't really have those conversations of like, this is working. This is how we tweaked it. This is the, um, the dashboard that we put in. Sure. You know, we don't have that on the national ONA level. That, as you guys know, is something that Matt Mansfield and I, who direct the, the ONA DC program, have really tried to do, though, is really mm-hmm. throw potential ideas out there for people in a way that and that's really the point of the local so not to say it's not happening but um for aan we try to make our conventions really about idea sharing that's ideas sharing and sometimes that work and that don't work i mean we have panels that like tell us about an event that just blew up in your face you know and the nice thing is is that people do people are really really willing to share in a way that maybe others sometimes can't. Now, part of that is also we bring in, you know, for our conferences, it's the publishers and owners and sort of the the higher, sure. you know, the sort of higher on the food chain, not the 22-year-old producers who maybe don't have the full view. Mm-hmm. Not that there's, you know, they're doing amazing stuff on their own, but it's a different, right. it's a different group. So given, given, I mean, obviously we've talked about it a lot, but given how alternatives seem to be open to reinventing themselves and open mm-hmm. to new technology and rethinking things, do you feel like it's going in the right direction? Do you feel like journalism, as far as alt-weeklies go, is moving forward? Or I do. I feel like it's moving forward now. I feel like I wish it was going faster and more furious <laughs> and more, you know, like everything else. I mean, I have a, um, I have a piece of art on my wall in my office that says, change takes time, be patient. And I have to often remember that. That it is, you know, onboarding people onto new technology, getting training, getting people ready to go, but also teaching them how if something's not working, that they that, you know, what what can we do to get you out of that really fast? Like, for instance, we're doing at our uh, upcoming conference, we're doing a mini MBA Mm -hmm. and and it's like a half. We're going to do a half day where you you figure out how to do business plans, not just for your whole business. That's too big. But business plans for each new monetization model. And we're talking like it should be a one pager and you should in there have what the ROI looks like, what success looks like, and what failure looks like. So you know quickly, and again, you don't can identify it quickly. Yeah, because yeah. that's huge. And that's what papers that just across the board have not done well. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I do feel like we're moving forward. Do I wish it was? Yeah, of course I wish it was faster, because also because I am not known for my patience across the board. And, um, but I think that we're, we're moving forward in a way that other people aren't. We're doing it a little bit under the radar, which is okay with me right now, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of say, you know, like, let the mainstreams, like, circle around and, you know, shit themselves again mm-hmm. twice. I don't care. Because right now, my, and you know, my success looks like the alts. And I am going all in here because I feel like they've got the best chance of pretty much any public media and, and alts, I'll say, actually. And some of the entrepreneurial bloggers, if they do it right. Right. You know, those entrepreneurial hyper-locals. Hyper and community. And let me say that I, I put communities in, you know, my the community weekly co- lovely right. cousins that I mentioned earlier. I put those in there. Look, just break it down one other way, which has nothing to do with digital, but is, but is a good way to think about it. Right now, in this country, at the, the, the macro-local, or whatever you want to call it, sure. movement is huge, right? Local food. You know, all over D.C., oh, we're, you know, we, this was, you know, harvested at a farm just a mile away. And I think in Anacostia, oh, my God, but that's, that's not near that. <laughs> get get you know, to know your chicken. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, like you can, you like on Portlandia, yeah, you can yeah. go pick your chicken. <laughs> but um, local food, local artisans, local everything. You know, we don't see it probably as much being Washingtonians because this is more of an international, 
you know, sure. transient place. But you bet your ass that in all these smaller cities, local is local wins. Local, you know, I went up to Burlington, Vermont, where one of, you know, one of our extremely successful papers is Seven Days, and I was treated to. Uh, just a smorgasbord of delicious local food, of local artisans, of local everything. And it really is lovely. And local feels good, right? Local feels good. Going to a farmer's market feels awesome, mm-hmm. right? You don't get there that often because that thing happened and then, you, you know, you you fell down. I don't know. But, you know, you don't do it as much as you should probably. But local feels good. Think about that in terms of your news consumption. Local feels good, mm-hmm. right? And it doesn't matter if you're consuming it on a tablet, you know, in a ch- in your Google Glass, which we actually are experiment Google Glass. We've got a great experiment oh, happening in the alts, um, so look out for that um, or whatever. Um, you know, maybe that should be the new tagline. Local feels good. I just thought of that, but there you go. So hmm? trademarked here. Is it? No, I don't. Should know. I trademark it? Trademark yeah. it. Right. I, I've got my attorney. I'm, I'm training. There we go. I'm like Hunter S. Thompson. I like to travel with my attorney and go to the bar with him and get him to allow me other shots. Yeah, we're going to go out and shoot some guns after this and, and <laughs> right. drink some scotch. And, right, take some peyote. There we no, go. That's, that's very that's, awesome. wait, what, we're no. not. That's wait, wrong. No. That's that. wrong. <laughs> we shouldn't do that. This has been an invigorating conversation. Thank you very much for coming in, to Tiffany. You, you gave us a lot of things to think about. Well, thanks for yeah. having me. I love, uh, I love talking about it. I love thinking the big thoughts about it. So. Yeah. Where will people find you online? Um, www.altweeklies.com is our website. We've got a lot going on there. I tweet at Tiffany Shack. Um, they're not always family friendly. I apologize in advance for <laughs> offending you. Um, and I'm pretty, I'm, I'm pretty available online. I love to get feedback and, you know, call me, Facebook me, whatever you want. And I'll, I'll answer eventually. How about, how about, uh, DC journalists who want to, uh, hook oh. up with your group? Yeah. So, um, ONA. for ONA, it's a meetup group on meetup.com and it's just ONA DC. So ONA DC and the hashtag for that is ONADC. So you can also look at us, look it up on Twitter. Not a lot of creativity. In I that, know, then. right? We have monthly meetups for that group. We have those every month. Yeah, no, no. Always and, interesting um, things. Also, you know, all weeklies conferences are open to the public if you'd like to join us. And I, I, I do have to say, I've been to every journalism organization that there is in the U.S. We throw the best damn parties in the business. I guess it's fitting that it ends with uh, Tiffany bragging about how fun. AN conferences uh, could be, and I can uh, confirm that they are they've the ones that I have attended were among the the most fun that I've ever been to, and a lot of that had to do with uh, the woman at, uh, on top who was uh, running things, uh, Tiffany. So, thank you very much for listening to this episode. Uh, we'll be posting our regularly weekly episode uh, on Thursday.